Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli. For anybody that doesn't know, wherever you're listening, it's a beautiful day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful that God has brought us here together, and He's uh, He's doing an amazing thing in my life, and I hope and pray that He's doing an amazing thing in all of your lives as well, too, as you continue to listen, as we continue to go through the gospel of Matthew, as we continue to go through it together, verse by verse, line by line. We don't skip a verse. Even as we know last week how God wouldn't let me skip uh, verse 12, I wanted to, we are just going to go to 13 and 14, but we had to touch on that verse 12, because line by line, verse by verse. So praise be to God. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 20 today. So um, we're going to read it over. The name of our sermon is A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. Again, the title of our sermon today, A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing. So if you want to read with me or just listen along, it'd be fine. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. And we have, the Bible says to us, God says to us, Jesus says to us, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So if you guys will just join me in a word of prayer. We're going to pray to kick off our service today and ask the Lord to... Bless our wisdom and knowledge that he's going to give us today. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here. Thank you, God, again for allowing us to gather together, Lord. And thank you for this, for the freedoms that we have in this country that we still have, Lord God. I don't know how much longer we're going to have them, Lord. Certain people would love to take them away from us. But, Lord, if that happens, Lord, I'll still come together, Lord, even if it costs me my life. Lord, thank you that we have the freedom that we have now, Lord. I, I, On that note, Lord, I do pray for all the countries in which Christians can't gather freely. Lord, I pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way in those countries, Lord God, and the authorities and, and the police and the government officials, Lord God, and the presidents, Lord God, to soften the hearts of the Christian faith, to soften the hearts to Christ, and Lord God, to allow them, For they would allow Christians to gather freely, Lord, and even that you would allow them and grant them repentance, those that are stopping your children right now from gathering, Lord, and that they would even come to be Christians, Lord. And I know you would love it if the whole world got saved. So, Lord, I just pray for the whole world, Lord God, that many today, right now, will come to realize the love of Christ and surrender their lives to you. Lord, I pray for this service, Lord. I pray that you would bless our meeting today together, Lord. I pray... Bless me and help me to communicate the things that you've shown me about the scripture that we're going to study here today, Lord. And I pray you bless those that are going to hear this message, Lord God, that they wouldn't just hear it, but that they would do something about it. Lord, for it is not just the hearer that is blessed, but it's the doer that's blessed, Lord God, the one that hears the word and does the things that you tell us, Lord. And in this case, Lord God, we're, we're learning about a warning today, Lord God, a warning, a warning for Christians to watch out for, Lord God, and also a warning for those that might even believe that they're Christians, Lord God. But we're going to find out today, Lord, that we'll know them by their fruits, Lord. So I pray, God, you'd open our hearts, all of our hearts, and help us, Lord God, to see the truth today and help us to take the truth of what we hear in your word because your word is the only truth, Lord, and run with it, Lord, and do something about it. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name, God. Amen. So, right off the bat, what do we see Jesus doing? Verse 15. Beware of false prophets. So Jesus is giving us a warning. Just straight out the bat. Beware of false prophets. 
When you hear the word beware, it means warning. Beware of false prophets. God gives us warnings throughout the Bible about sin and about different things. and But here it's about, he's telling people, just in general, as a whole, his children, not his children, beware of those that will come to you in sheep's clothing. Beware of false prophets. So why is Jesus warning us about false prophets and false teachers? But of course, for his love for us. For you see, nobody warns somebody about something good. Hey dude, uh, be careful. You know, when you walk around that corner over there, you're going to get an ice cream sundae. No, you don't hear that. People don't warn you of something good. Hey man, uh, beware around that corner. They're, they're giving away free cars today. No. What do you hear? Hey man, beware. Hey, warning. Warning. You know, when you make that left-hand turn in your car right there, that whole street's torn up, man. You won't be able to go down there. Hey, take a right. Don't take a left. Hey, warning. There's huge potholes in the road. Be careful, dude. Hey, watch out. You know, those potholes, tear up your tires, there's nails and screws. We're doing construction along there. Don't do there. That's what Jesus is doing there. Beware of false prophets. He's given us a warning to beware. Well, he loves us. And we could see God's love throughout all of Scripture, the whole, from Genesis to the book of Revelation. We see God's mercy. We see his kindness. We see his love. God didn't have to warn us about false prophets here in the book of Matthew. He didn't have to warn us. He could have just let Christians or let people go on out there and hear whatever they hear and People would have just fallen into traps and, you know, that'd be fine. But instead, the love of God compels him to warn people. And as again, we find his warnings, we find his bewares, we find his love, we find his mercy throughout all of the Bible, the entirety of the whole Bible. When, when mankind needs, you know, when they're in sin and they're doing something wrong in the Old Testament, we see God's slow to angerness. And then the fact that he's slow to anger, that's a form of his love. That the fact that he should just, if we, if, you know, if we fall into sin, he could just wipe us out, smash us, destroy us. But he doesn't. He warns us, hey, my child, hey, turn away from that road, please. Get, get back on this road. He gives us a warning. Whenever you give a warning, that's concern. Concern is a form of love. We see God's love throughout the whole of the Bible. So, when I've evangelized over the past 13, 14 years, I've had people say to me, Ed, the fact that there's false preachers and false teachers in the world, that proves to me that Christianity is false. See, because why, why would a loving God allow these false teachers and these false preachers? And you know, you got all these, these false this and false that and, these, and all these... False religions, you say these, these false religions, and there are false teachers and there are false preachers. Why would a loving God allow such an evil thing to happen? Why wouldn't he just take away all the false preachers and the false teachers? Get, just get rid of them all. Just get rid of them all. And they would claim that that is a reason why the Christian faith is a fraud. But instead, my argument's always been this. Really. Because I don't really see it like that. I see it as just the opposite. I see the fact that there are false preachers and that there are false teachers in this world. I see that as a proof of the Bible. And you may say, how? Why would you say that that's proof of the Bible? I would say the proof is Christ warns us here that they're going to be there. The fact that they're there, Jesus was given a prophecy. Prophecy is one of the ways we know that God's word is true. When God says something's going to happen, and then it comes to pass, we know it's God. Jesus said it's going to happen. Look at what we have today. We have false teachers and false prophets and false religions all over the world, and Jesus said it was going to happen. So therefore, I don't look at it as a, how could a loving God? I look at it as, how could a loving God not warn us? But, what, what? but he did that. He warned us. He warned us that they were going to come so that we could beware. So that we could be what? We could be on guard. And he doesn't only warn us, but as we're going to see in a little bit here, he gives us examples of what they're going to be like. 
He gives us examples of what they do so that we can beware. So don't hate the fact that there's false preachers and teachers. I mean, yes, hate the fact that there are, but don't say, oh, well, Christianity, this, and the other. Instead, look at it and say, wow, that's awesome. Now I can beware. So it's not a proof against, it's a proof for. And don't get mad about it. Rather, expect it. Expect it. Simply know it's going to happen and simply do what? Well, what's his words to us here? Beware of false prophets. So beware. So just be on guard whenever you hear something. The Bible says to test the spirits. We're not going to cover that verse today, but that just popped up in my spirit. God says in his word, test the spirits. Not everything you hear is going to be from God. Beware the things that you hear. And always, of course, go back to Scripture, the book that God gave us, the 66 book love letter that God gave us, and look at that and line up whatever you hear against this book right here. So don't get mad about it. Expect it. So, so he said it was going to happen. So we have to expect it, because if you don't expect it, and Jesus said it was going to happen, that's foolish. You're a fool if you do that. If you know something's going to happen, if you know you travel down the highway, you know, they got these little apps on phones nowadays. And I have this little application on my smartphone that what it does is, is this traffic application. And when you're traveling, you can look at the road that you're traveling on it, and it'll tell you there's an accident up ahead, and that there's going to be a big delay or a big slowdown. Well, then you can look on there and you can say, okay, I can go this way and go right or left. I can take this little side road and I can go around that accident or whatever. But don't, when you get to the accident, after you knew it was going to be there, don't go, what? I can't believe there's this accident. Oh, it's slowing me down. And then spend a half hour complaining about it because guess what? You could have taken a different route. Instead, what Jesus says here, don't get mad about the false preachers and teachers that are going to be in the world. Expect them. And be ready for them. Be ready for them. Just like that traffic accident on the highway. Be ready for you. You saw it coming. Jesus is like that little application on the phone, but, but much, much more loving. That, that application warned you that accident. Don't travel that way. Go another way. Don't, you know, you're going to hit it, but you don't, if you do hit it, no, I'm going to hit it and I've got to be ready for it. So we already know it's going to be there. We got to expect it. Now, what do we look at? And what, let's look here to see what Jesus warns us about. We're going to look at some of the characteristics of uh, a false prophet. And we're going to look at what he's telling us about them. So what's Jesus telling us, number one? He's telling us they are dangerous. Just like those potholes in the road. They are dangerous. He said beware. The word beware is defined as to be wary, cautious, or careful of. Uh, again, you don't tell someone to be careful if there's no danger. He's telling us that they're dangerous. Uh, what's the second thing that he's telling us? They will pretend to be godly. He says, beware of false prophets who will come to you in sheep's clothing, but in inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Well, that's a pretender. That's a pretender. That's someone that's going to come to you and they're going to pretend to be something that they're not. They're even more dangerous than the normal. They're, in fact, they're more dangerous than if Satan just popped up in front of you with the horns and said, ah, I'm here to get your soul. Because then you'd say, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no, dude, wait a minute. I know that you're evil. They don't come to you in evil. They, don't, they won't come to you and tell you, hey, dude, I'm, I'm here to take your money. Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm here to ruin your faith. <laughs> hey, come on, let's go. I'm here to ruin your faith. They're not going to tell you that right off the bat. They're going to come in disguise. They're going to come in disguise. They actually come and they'll be really friendly. They'll be generous. They'll be helpful. They'll be caring. They'll seem very innocent. But you know what it is? It's only to gain your trust. It's like when somebody comes and they see you struggling on the side of the road. Maybe your car broke down. And they pop up in there and, oh, I'll help you with that car. I'll help you with that car problem. And then they help you with that car problem. And then they befriend you. They did something nice for you. So when somebody does something nice for you, that you let your guard down. 
you know, you're, we're, I, I myself, as well as I know a lot of people, are very guarded against if, you know, somebody comes to me and they, they, they start talking about, like, okay, what does this person want? But if they initially helped me right off the bat, I'm more likely to say, oh, man, yeah, that dude did a really nice thing for me. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to relax. Hey, man, how's it going? And I'm I'm more I'm more I'll more tend to be more relaxed, more more at ease because they just helped me. But those are the people that you have to be wary of the most, Jesus said here, because they'll come to you in sheep's clothing. But inside they're ravenous wolves. So the outward appearance will be lovely, will be nice, kind, friendly. But inside, the intentions of their heart are wicked. And those are the ones you have to be careful of the most. It's people and all they want to do is they want to take advantage of people. What's the third thing he's telling us? He's telling us what their goals are. Right here he says, he says they are they, they come to you and they're they are ravenous wolves. God in his word calls people, mankind, especially his children, sheep. We're considered sheep. And I don't know if you know this, but the sheep is the dumbest animal in the whole world. It's said that if a sheep drinks, if a shepherd leads a sheep to a stream that is running really rough, and it's bubbling up, and there's a little bit of the suds, you know, because it's hitting the water, and the sheep bends down to drink that water, if that water splashes them against the face and in the nose, they'll actually drown because they think they can't, they don't know what to do because the water's hitting them in the face and they'll just start to drown instead of pulling their head out. So God calls us sheep and he references false prophets here to sheep or sheep. They are false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inside they're ravenous wolves. Well, what is a ravenous wolf? What is a ravenous wolf? What's the definition of a ravenous wolf? Uh, ravenous defined as extremely hungry, famished, voracious. And a wolf, well, they're predators. And take a genius to realize wolves hunt. They're hunters. They're predators. And they're carnivorous. They love to consume meat. So a false prophet, he means to take advantage of you. Or anyone that is a godly or anyone that even goes to church. Anyone that's even trying to be a, a godly type of person. Anybody that's even trying to look toward God's way. False prophets love to prey on them. And they want to consume you. They want to devour you. They, they are like a ravenous wolf. That's just a few things Jesus is telling us about them. So how are we going to be able to tell that they are deceivers? How? Because like I just said. They come in sheep's clothing. They look really nice. They're dressed really nice. A lot of times they'll be really smooth talkers. They'll be really loving. They'll be really kind. They'll be really caring. How can we tell that they're really deceivers? Because after all, like, like I just said, they're not going to come out and say, Hey, I'm here to destroy you. I'm here to rob you. I'm here to take your home. They don't come right out and say that. They do it smoothly. They do it gently. They do it lovingly. And then they come in with an evil intent of their heart. So how do they know? Well, again, we see the love of God. What does he do? He warns us. He gives us how we'll know. Look at the first half of 16. What does Jesus say? 7.16. You will know them by their fruits. So Jesus said, don't look at the outward man. Don't look at how they come to you. Look at their fruits. A fruit is a kind of a thing. What is a fruit? That we have, you have a tree that bears fruit, and you have the tree itself, and it has the branches, and it has the leaves. And what does a tree do? It produces a type of fruit. An apple tree produces apples. Orange tree produces oranges. So on and so forth. Trees produce, certain trees produce certain types of fruits. So what did Jesus do? Don't look at the tree. Look at the fruit of the tree. What kind of fruit is the tree producing? And watch to see and wait. Be guarded. Watch and wait to see what kind of fruit the tree produces. It's okay to be loving to everybody. That's a good thing. And caring about everybody and concerned about everybody. But watch and wait to see the fruit that that tree, whoever that person is, 
watch to see what fruit that that tree produces. So don't be so eager and so willing to go jump on somebody's ship. You got to watch and look at what fruit that these people are producing. So one of the things that, of course, a loving God would do was he'd, he'd give us examples, all kinds of examples. And unfortunately, even after Jesus wrote, even after this was written that Christ did this on the on the uh, Sermon on the Mount here, we see examples in the early church of those evil wolves in sheep's clothing coming. So if you want to go to Acts 20, verses 29 through 31, you guys want to turn there. Acts 20, 29 through 31. Paul talks about them in Acts chapter 20. And Paul says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Paul uses the same verbiage that Jesus used right here in the book of Acts. Savage wolves will come in. And you know what they'll do? What is Again, what is a ravenous wolf? What is a savage wolf? It comes to devour. It comes to eat you. And what does Paul say they did? Not sparing the flock. Look what he says, verse 30. Also from among yourselves, men among yourselves, from among you, he says. He's warning this, these Christians that were with him at the time, from among you, from among your people. And what will they do? They'll speak perverse things. And what do they do? They draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. What do ravenous wolves want? They want you. They want to pull you out of the church that you're in. They want you. They want all of you. They, they want you to come and join them. And they want you. They'll, a ravenous wolf, a lot of Christian churches have this problem. People go inside the church and they pull people out of the church. A good congregation, somebody that's happy with their church, yet they'll go inside and they'll be nice and they'll be loving and they'll be kind and they'll be friendly. And what will they do? Hey, oh, hey, oh, yeah, you know what, man? I'm, I'm, I want to start my own church. Hey, why don't you come out with me? Oh, man, come on. I'm, oh, you've been here for 10 years? Oh, yeah, that's a good church, too. But, you know, I'm, I'm doing this new thing. I really need support. Hey, why don't you come along and, and join me? And they won't tell you what they believe, or if they do, they'll lie. But people have actually, and I've seen it happen. People come inside a church and draw people out of that church to go to their church or to go to this other church. That's a ravenous wolf. If somebody starts a church like we did here, I went to nobody that I used to go to church with and said, hey, Come on, come on, come on, come to church with me. I'm going to do this all the time. I'm going to do this thing for myself. What am I doing? I'm, I'm going out. I'm telling people wherever I go. And if people want to come, they want to come, they call me. I, I say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Love to have you if you want to come. Well, well, I'm in a church. Hey, well, man, grow where you are. Praise God, grow where you are. I'm not trying to drag or draw anybody out of another church that they're happy with, that they're getting fed in. If you want to come... Come on down. We're, we're, we'll be glad to have you. Praise God. But ravenous wolf, what, one thing, they want you. Number two, they want your money and they want your honor. 2 Corinthians 5, 5 through 15. They want you. No, no, first they want you. Then they want your money. And then they want your honor. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it would be verse 5 through 15. So this is 10 verses. A lot of scripture today, guys. A lot of scripture today. 2 Corinthians 5, 5-15. Paul writes again, For I consider that I am not at all inferior to most eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech. Yet I am not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Here's verse 7. Here's where we get it. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted? 
because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge. Notice he mentioned that. I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge. He says, I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you. And when I was present with you, and indeed I was a burden to no one. For what I, for what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied it. And in everything I kept myself from being burdensome to you. So I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from boasting in the regions of Acacia. Why? Because I do not or why? Because I do not love you? God knows. Verse 12, we have it here. But what I do, I will continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if, he minister, if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their work. So what did they do there? They came in and Paul made it a point to say, I'm going to preach the gospel to you free of charge. That tells me one thing. That tells me that the other people that were coming in, they weren't wanting to preach the gospel of God free of charge. They wanted, this, they wanted the Corinthians money, number one. What the second thing that they did, they came in and they held themselves up against and to equal to the apostles of Jesus Christ himself. Hey, we're just like them, man. Hey, you know, we're just like them. Of course, what references did they have? Nobody had any references. People had word of mouth. They didn't have any date. All they had was word of mouth. And whose word of mouth except for their own? They wanted their money and they wanted the people. Hey, look at us. We're just like the apostles of Jesus Christ. Hey, and what were they doing? Of course, come on after us. Come on after us. Come on after us. Another thing they want to do, they want to destroy your faith in Christ. Jude 1, chapter 1. There's only one chapter in Jude. Jude, chapter 1, 3 through 19. Jude chapter 1 verse 3 says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. And what does he say? Verse 4, For certain men have crept in unnoticed. Remember what Jesus said, They'll come in sheep's clothing, but inside their ravenous wolves. A sheep wants to, what do they do? They want to look like a sheep. They're not going to look like a ravenous wolf. They're not going to have they're not going to have blood running down their face like a wolf after he just consumed a sheep. They're going to look like a sheep. For certain men have come in and crept in unnoticed. Notice they crept in. They were sly. They didn't come in all boastfully, all loud. Hey, here I am. Ravenous wolves, one thing that they like to do is they come in and they don't make a lot of motion. They don't make a lot of commotion. They just come in sly, nice and quiet, like they just slip in behind the scenes. Because somebody that's quiet doesn't draw a lot of attention to themselves. They crept in unnoticed. And he says, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation? Ungodly men. And what are they doing? He says it here. Who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. What were they doing? They were denying Jesus Christ, purchasing us by his blood on the cross. Lewdness. They deny the only Lord God and Lord Jesus Christ. How do you turn the grace of God into lewdness? The grace is grace. Grace is something that's unmerited. How do you turn the grace of God into lewdness? But you say you have to work for your salvation. Come on, you got to work for that salvation of God. God just doesn't give grace. God just doesn't give salvation to everybody. You got to work for it. You got to put in those hours. You got to be on your knees and you got to be crying out a lot and you got to show God. You got to pay God. You got to you got to pay him back for what he's done for you. Sickness. 
verse 5, but I want you to but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper dominion, but left their own abode, he reserved in everlasting change under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in similar manner these, having given themselves over to sexual morality and gone after strange flesh, and set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Verse 8, likewise, also these dreamers, these false teachers, these men that crept in unnoticed, also these dreamers, they defile the flesh. They reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. When you see that defile the flesh, a lot of these people that the early Christian, uh, early Christian apostles and disciples wrote about were Jews. And what they did is they said, you got to be circumcised to be saved. You got to get that circumcision because you got to work to get saved. You got to do a work. You got to do a good work, and then God will see how you love. And then God will see that you want that you know that 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 you could be saved. And so you got to get circumcised. Well, circumcision is a work, and no work can get anybody saved at all. And what do they do? They defile in the flesh. They reject authority. They're coming against the church leaders. Coming against the, maybe even God Himself. Coming against the, the church leadership. They reject authority. And what do they do? They speak evil of dignitaries. And then he says, verse 9, Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a riling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these, again, these false preachers, these false prophets, but these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. In these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them! For they have gone in the way of Cain. What else did they do? Look at what else they did. They went after the way of Cain. Having run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit. False preachers, false teachers. We got all kinds of them now. All they want is your money. All they want is your money. Get, they, they're running in greed like the prophet, like the man Balaam. And they're running and they're going after the way of Cain. Go to verse 12. These are spots in your love feasts while they feast with you without fear because they crept in unnoticed after all. They're ravenous wolves on the inside, but outwards they they're, they're, it just look like innocent sheep. It just look like everybody else. They feast with you without fear. Look what they do. Serving only themselves. They don't care about anybody else. They're only in this to win this for themselves. And he goes on to say, They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, laid autumn trees, without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up, in the, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars, for whom is reserved the blackest of darkness forever. Go down to verse 16. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. And their mouth, and they mouth great swelling words. What are they doing? Flattering people to gain advantage. That's a wolf. They mouth up great swelling words. They sound really, really, really smart. And they sound really educated. They, they, you look at this guy and think, man, that guy's got it all together. Oh, look at how nice, look at how good he speaks. Wow, he's... He's a really powerful speaker. And all oh, listen to his words. They're so eloquent. They're so pretty. Oh, wow. And what do they do? Again, what is the fruit that they're bearing? Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. Flattering people to gain advantage. A gain advantage in what way? Gain advantage of you. Either to take you away to follow them themselves. Or to gain advantage over you. Come on, give me your money. Oh, I'm building this thing. Come on. I need all the finances I get, man. This is God's work. Oh, I just need all the finances I can get. Oh, he says in verse 17, But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. 
They're divisive. They split up good churches. They go in as sheep. They look like pretty old, just old innocent sheep. And then they work behind the scenes to devour the flock, just like Paul said in Acts 20. Unbelievable. And what else do they do? They'll bring doctrines of God um, that are damaging and destructive to believers. And they will again take advantage of you. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1-3. through 3, Peter says, But there will also be false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Even, also not only destructive doctrines, which are teachings of the Christian faith, not only bringing in destructive doctrines of the Christian faith, they even, just like Jude, I believe it was said, even denying the Lord who bought them. And they bring on themselves swift, swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. Look at the fruit, Christians. Look at the fruit. God allowed all this to be in there so that we would see and know what a false teacher, what a false prophet is, so that we could be warned, so that we... Hey, wait. Oh, whoa, wait a minute. You're trying to get my money. Well, that's the first thing. You know what? God says give to a Christian church. But the Bible says that you're supposed to give according to what you want to between God. God said, the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. So if you desire to give a tithe, if you desire to give a gift, it shouldn't by any be by any compulsion. It shouldn't be by deceptive words. It shouldn't be to my own advantage. It should be for the church of God. And it should be for God's work and God's work only. Not for yachts that I really want. Or big houses that I really just have to have. Or I gots to have that Rolls Royce. Those are ungodly lusts that I want just for myself. That's not building up the church of God that I have a mansion in Beverly Hills. That's not building up God's kingdom. If I have a Mercedes Benz or I have a Rolls Royce, God would much rather that money be put back into new churches. God would much rather that money be poured into overseas missions work, getting people saved and supporting missionaries that go to India and Africa and helping people come to know Christ Jesus. No real minister of God needs a Mercedes Benz or a Rolls Royce or a big mansion in Beverly Hills or a Learjet. That's wasted money for God's kingdom. And what are we seeing here? They want your money. So what is God really saying to us? He says, watch out for them. They are dangerous. And God says, this is not a joke. Because again, remember, they're going to come in and they're not going to look like a wolf. They're not going to look like a ravenous wolf. They'll be alluring. They'll be walking according to their own lust, things that they want. They won't be walking according to the, you know, your benefit. They'll be walking to their benefit. So be, be careful. So on the second half of verse 16, Jesus gives us two questions. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? He's asking us two very Powerful questions. So let's answer them. Back half of 16, 716, he says, Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Just think about that in the natural. Think about a real thorn bush and think about a real fig tree. You don't ever see a fig tree producing thistles. What do fig trees produce? They produce figs. And what do grape trees or grape bushes or grape vines produce? They produce grapes. And earnestly, if a grape tree or a, or a grape vine or a fig tree is only producing figs and grapes, in the natural, in the supernatural, in the spirit, what are people supposed to produce? People that are godly won't produce ungodly things. They won't produce ungodly things 
spiritual things. And if it doesn't happen in the natural, it's not going to happen spiritually either. So, go to 17 through 19. He says, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So what's he saying? All these false teachers and false prophets and false teachers, they're only going to bear bad fruits. They're only going to bear deception. They're only going to bear fruits of lust for themselves. My passions, my desires. We got to build me. Because if I'm built up, then you're going to be built up. That would be might be something that they'd say. Beware, beware, beware. That's, of course, contextually accurate for our section of Scripture. But as a whole in the world, we also have a lot of people, especially in America, that profess to be Christians. They profess to be godly. And they're not pretending to be false prophets or false preachers or false teachers, but what they are doing is they, they profess to be real Christians. And yet, when you look at the fruit of their lives, when you listen to the words that come out of their mouth, when you see the actions that they do, when you see how they interact with other people, and listen to them, and look at how they drive, and watch the kind of movies, or listen, or look at the kind of movies that they watch, what did Jesus say? A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. So we have to look at, Jesus in a sense is saying we have to be fruit inspectors. Fruit inspectors not only of false preachers and of false teachers, but as people of God, as anybody that's concerned about God's kingdom and worried about and concerned about building God's kingdom, there's also a lot of people around us that are in heavy deception. Believing and thinking that I'm okay with God, or I'm a Christian, or oh, I love Jesus. But then we met a kid on Friday night, actually, in fact, and I gave him a, we gave him a gospel tract, and the gospel tract name was Evidence of Faith, young boy. And God put it on my heart, and I looked at him, and I said, he, he, and I said, what do you believe, fella? What's, what, what's your belief? And he says, I don't have one. I said, are you an atheist? He says, I wouldn't call myself an atheist. I just, I just haven't figured things out yet. I, I just don't know. And he goes, I kind of need some evidence. I kind of need some evidence about God, you know, about these things, about, you know, godly type of things. And, and I looked at the track and I said, and I said well, young, young fellow, I said, we gave, you, we gave you the wrong track, actually. I said, because, but it's ironic, I said, because it says evidence of faith. I said, so not to be confused with that, that one's really not for you per se, I said, but you know, it is ironic that we gave you an evidence of faith. But I, be, but I said to him, but I, I bet you know people in your life that have professed godliness, they've professed to be a Christian, but they really haven't lived up to that manner of life. I said, is that right? And all he did was laugh and shook his head and said, yeah, absolutely. I said, so anyway, I said, some, I think I said this. I said, so maybe you can read that. I said, and then, there you go. You know that, because those people really aren't of God. Because they really aren't. If you profess one thing from your mouth, but you live another way in your life, if you profess Jesus Christ and go out and have sex with unmarried, with being unmarried, if you're out there and you profess Jesus Christ and you're in the clubs, Every week. If you're out there, you profess Jesus Christ, and you lie, and you cheat, and you steal from others, and, and you, you're deceptive with people and the things that you do at your job, that's not a Christian, folks. And Jesus is saying here, you will know them by their fruits. Contextually, again, talking about the false prophet, but as a whole, a good tree does not bear bad fruit. The Bible says if you're born again, if you're a real Christian, then you should be living a godly life. 2 Timothy 2.19, the Bible says, The Lord knows that are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Iniquity is sin. Now, folks, does that mean that we're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But we're not walking out there intending 
on doing it, or you better not be, or else you're in a bad spot. And you're really not what you're professing to be, if that's your intent to go out there. First uh, John 2, 6, 6 says, He who abides in Christ Jesus ought himself ought, ought excuse me, in him ought to himself walk just as Jesus walked. Can't profess one thing and live another way. That's called a hypocrite. And here, you'll know them by their fruits. So please be aware, if that's you, and you live that way, God says, what, what, here in verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Cut down and thrown into the fire. I'll say it again. Every tree, not calling you good or bad, but how will you know a tree? but by the fruit that it bears. You only know an apple tree because it produces apples. You only know a pear tree because it produces pears. You don't look at an apple tree and go, hmm, I wonder what kind of fig that is. No. You look at an apple tree and you say, that's an apple tree. You'll know them by their fruits. God knows, folks, if you profess something with your mouth, and you live a life that's not what you profess in your mouth. God knows. And it's not my warning to you. It's Jesus' warning to you here. And he says it in verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And this is not the fire of life, folks. This is the fire of hell and condemnation forever and ever and ever. Well, you'll be in the lake of fire and the smoke of your torment will burn forever and ever and ever. But again, I only say that what is God doing here? He's giving a warning. If you're listening to this right now, and you can say, well, that's me, I, I profess Jesus, but you know what, I live a life, and you know, whatever. God understands and He forgives me. Yes, He will forgive you, the, the Bible says, if you turn away from your sin and turn to God. Otherwise, God's warning to you here will be, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. God's not saying that because He's harsh. If you want to live a life of sin, and you want to live a life of doing whatever you want to do, God says, fine, go ahead and do it. I love you, but I don't want you to do that. But go ahead and do it, that's fine. And the Bible says, reap what you'll sow. You will reap what you sow. If you live a life that dishonors God, if you live a life of sin, if you live a life of maybe you're a, a false uh, a false prophet here and you're listening to this, you will reap what you'll sow. All those things that we just read, they have marked out for dis destruction for themselves forever. And the same falls to someone that professes one thing and does another. You will reap what you sow. And this is not a threat. God's not giving us a threat here. He's giving us a warning. A loving God gives warnings. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to repentance. So he says, turn and produce good fruit. Turn to me. The Bible says that only in Christ, can, only those that abide in Christ will bear that good fruit. So come to Christ. Surrender to Him and allow Him to work in you so that you can bear good fruit. So that you're not cut down and thrown into the fire. And He emphatically says it again in verse 20. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So my closing to my beloved brethren out there. As Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, to my beloved brethren, to my beloved brethren, be careful. Be warned. There will be false prophets and false teachers. And I even say that. Listen to this from me. And you won't hear this out of the mouth of a false prophet. Even examine my life. Even examine me. If I ever start walking according to the ungodly lusts of my flesh, and I'm ever uh, digging you for money, and I'm ever out there with Rolls Royces and a big house in Beverly Hills instead of putting that money back into God's kingdom, beware of me. 
Because I'll be marking out for myself condemnation that will last for all eternity. Beware of the evil men that will try to take advantage of you in this world. And it ain't, it ain't you already know, folks. It's out there. Well, that's well, that's not going to happen to me. You might say, well, well, well I, you know, I'm I'm this and I'm that. Well, that, that I, I don't. I just I just refuse to believe that. Well, then you just refuse to believe what Jesus said. They are there. They will come. They have come. All the texts that I've read you today, all the scripture that I read to you today, was all from first century literature, folks. That was almost nineteen, around nineteen hundred years ago. They've already been. They've come. They've been coming, and they're still here today. And they're all over, especially in America here today. And their biggest ploy to you is give us your money. We got to have your money. We need it. We need it. Give us your money. So the Bible says, Jesus says to us, Paul said to us in Acts chapter 20, Beware my beloved brethren of those people that have come. And they walk according to their ungodly lusts. And they want those things. Close to those that aren't gods here, that aren't walking according to, please examine your life and look to see where you're at. Examine your own fruit. Be your own fruit inspector. Look at the fruit of your life that you're living. Look at the things that you do if you're out there and you profess to be a Christian. Look at the fruit that you're producing. Listen to the words that come out of your mouth. Look at your dealings with other people. How do you speak to other people? Are you deceptive? Do you lie? Are you walking according to your or to ungodly lusts? And God says, "Beware, warning, warning! Every tree that does not produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire." God loves everybody, but He wants us all to turn to Jesus. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at, He says, "Turn to Christ. Follow me. I love you. Turn to Him now, please. Let's pray." Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for your love and your warnings that you give us. Thank you so much, God, that you are so loving. But God, a loving God, you wouldn't you wouldn't send anybody to hell, Lord God, if, but people send themselves to hell, your word says. People by choice, Lord, continue to live wicked and evil lives. And by choice, they know that they must turn to Christ, but they don't. Your desire is that none would burn, none would go to hell, none would be destroyed. Your desire is that all should be saved, all that would, all people would come to repentance. So I pray, Lord God, for anybody listening to this message, Lord God, that they would, if they know that that's them and they're professing Christ, but they live an ungodly life, God, I pray that they would turn now before they're cut down and thrown into the fire. And I pray, dear God, for all of us, your children. I pray we would beware of false prophets, beware of false teachers, because all they want is for themselves. They only want to build up themselves, Lord God. I pray we wouldn't be shocked when it happens or that it's there, but Lord, we would expect it because you said it's going to be there. Because a loving God says, warning, don't take a right. There's a roadblock. You'll be stuck forever. And I pray we'd always be warned. We'd always be on the lookout for false prophets and always be leery. Because they're again, Lord, you know, remember, you said they're not going to come to us and show us what they are. They're going to come to us and they're going to try to deceive us. So I pray we'd be aware. And I pray we'd always be prayerful and we'd always be mindful of the things of you and not the things of evil. God, help us all. Protect us all. I love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. And I praise you. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.